Hey there, Vikings Nation. Get ready to dive deep into the skull state of mind. Join our host, D. Woods, as he shares his unfiltered takes on all things Vikings. From expert game analysis to player controversies and everything in between. If you love the Vikings for better or worse, then you've come to the right place. So grab a drink and let's talk all things purple and gold. This is the Skull State of Mind Podcast. Welcome to the Skull State of Mind Podcast. As you know, I'm your host, D. Woods. And let's talk about this tough game, this tough loss that the Minnesota Vikings took to the Cincinnati Bengals on Saturday morning. Now, I feel like this was a game that was in the hand for the Vikings to win. I feel like certain parts of this game, it was out out of reach. I felt like, all oh, this game is over. The Vikings got a two-score lead. You know, it is what it is. Vikings going to go home with the win. You know, eight and six. Maybe we can actually compete for this division. But as you know, that didn't happen. Um, I feel like the Minnesota Vikings, the real Minnesota Vikings showed up. And, you know, we lost this game. Now, I took a, I took some time to basically figure out what I really wanted to say in this recap reaction video. I just really felt like with so much emotions on how the game ended, I really didn't want to like, you know, come on here and give you a full emotional video. I want to sit back with my thoughts so I can come on here and give you, you know, a well thought off opinion on what happened what should have happened and what I think about this team going forward. So let's talk about Nick Mullins. I mean, Nick Mullins had a backup type game. I mean, he had 303 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions with a quarterback rating of 99.9. Now that's, uh, that's not a bad game in my opinion, but he is a backup and he made backup mistakes. Now those two interceptions, the first one, I don't know what the hell he was looking at, but he threw an interception. Okay. The thing about some quarterbacks, you're going to have to live and live with the interceptions. They're going to throw some, but the second interception was like, that's a bonehead play. You feel me? Like just take the sack. And when I'm doing the, um, the live watch party, I'm sitting there thinking like, you know, me and me and Curtis are talking about it. Like that's a play where basically Kirk Cousins just tucks and tucks down, takes the sack. We kick a field goal, we're good. But it's kind of like some of these players don't understand, these quarterbacks don't understand. See, I think Dobbs had the same problem where, hey, just go down. If you just go down, you're basically giving your offense another down to to play, basically. Just take the sack. And he running around and threw the ball, hit a defensive lineman in the, you know, in the face mask, bounced around, never hit the ground, interception. So that's a boneheaded play. And I'm sitting here thinking, too, like, I don't really want to talk about Jaron Hall too much right now, especially today. I'm probably going to talk about him more throughout this week. But um, if Jaron Hall makes that mistake, I feel like, all right, he can grow upon that mistake because he's a rookie. Never played in a you know consistent time in the NFL. So I feel like he can grow from there. But you got a, a veteran who started a whole season, 16 games, and it's like you're still making a mistake, but that's the reason why he's a backup. But overall, I feel like Nick Mullins played a okay game. He played a cool game. He just got to eliminate the turnovers and eliminate the boneheaded mistakes. 
Now, let's talk about the offensive struggles. Now, this is probably like a two-part, you know, topic because I got Kevin O'Connell by himself, and I want to talk about him a little bit more in depth later on in this video. But to me, it really feels like when the Vikings have a lead, the offense starts playing conservative. And I feel like the play calling is not like the play calling you would need to actually like put your foot on someone's throat and basically like beat them, kill their will, basically say like, we got this game. And I feel like the Vikings get into a situation to where their offense basically disappears. Like when I say it disappears, it's like they go from this offense that's like going down the field, going down the field, going down the field. And even if they're going down the field and they're not even getting touchdowns, they're at least putting points on the board. Minus the two times that Nick Mullins, you know, threw those interceptions in the red zone. So we couldn't get points. So it's turnover. But it felt like the offense was clicking, especially Ty Chandler. Just, just really talk about Ty Chandler right now. Ty Chandler had a great game. And like, if you really think about it, like that was basically the first Vikings running back this season to have a hundred yard rushing game, not combined running backs. I'm talking about one running back rush for over a hundred yards. To me, that's kind of sad because it's like, we're pretty much at the end of the season where only like three games left and we're just now getting a hundred yard rusher. I mean, I don't want to shit on Alexander Madison because I think Alexander Madison is good within certain roles. I think he's good in a backup role. I feel like, you know, he's able to come in there, do what he does, you know, hit the hole, you know, make a play here and there. But I just feel like some guys aren't suited for the star back role. And maybe Ty Chandler is not suited for a star back role. Maybe this was just a, a blip on the radar but I do see his the way he runs a little bit different. Like I feel his elusiveness, his burst, his shiftiness, it kind of like makes a difference. I mean, the boy was having a feel that he was he was kind of getting everything he wanted. And the thing with running backs is like you're gonna get plays to where you rush for five yards and minus three, like that's going to happen. But the boy rushed for over a hundred yards. And had a touchdown, and I kind of feel like maybe the maybe the Minnesota Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, play calling could have basically like leaned on him a little bit more when they had the lead. And that's the thing, too. That's the thing, too. It's like when you have a lead, I was taught when you have a lead coming up playing football, watching football, that the best way to protect the lead is to bleed the clock and run the ball. So the offense, after they got the lead, they just came and started playing like a whole different offense. And they basically allowed the Cincinnati Bengals to get back in this game. But let's talk about this defense, though. I mean, it's been a lot of talk on social media about Brian Flores and about how he should be the head coach of this team and how he turned this defense around from one of the worst defenses in the league last year to one of the top defenses this year. I get that. But I'm going to be honest with y'all. This defense is not elite. And when I'm saying this defense is not elite, this is what I mean by an elite defense. All right. Against Chicago, the defense was playing a great game. But when it came to the 
the game being on the line, they weren't able to make the plays. And when I talk about an elite defense, an elite defense is a defense like Baltimore, um, the 49ers. I mean, the, the New York Jets have a great defense. I don't think our defense is there because I don't think we have the personnel to be consistent all the time. I mean, there's a reason why Brian Forrest blitzes so much because it covers up some of the mistakes that these skill players make. I mean, because we don't really have the personnel. And I'm not doubting anybody. I'm not saying, like, this defense is bad. The defense is worlds ahead of what the defense was last year, but I'm not going to put them in that elite category, not just yet, until they start making elite plays in situations that close out the game. Now, I do say the defense did step up at the end of the game in overtime and give the ball back to the offense. We're going to talk about that more, but I just don't understand, like, after the lead, like, I don't know if this Kevin is, – is this Kevin O'Connell basically telling the floor, it's like, yo, we got the lead – you know, take the foot off the gas on defense. But it just felt like when the Cincinnati Bengals came out of halftime, like they just started going down the field. They was basically getting everything that they wanted. And the defense started playing real fucking soft. Like it was kind of like, oh, we got we got a two-score lead. Let's just pull back. And I feel like you can't do that in a National Football League because – these are NFL players. These are professionals on the other side of the, on the other side, you know, the ball too, like on the other side of the field. So it's kind of like this team needs to develop a mentality of, yeah, we got the league and we're going to make that league grow. You get what I'm saying? Like basically look at how um, the, the Buffalo Bills beat the Dallas Cowboys today. Like they had the lead early and they just kept adding to it. I feel like the Minnesota Vikings have to get to the point where they are able to play complementary football. What I mean by complementary football is like your defense is shutting down your opposing offense and your offense is going down the field, putting points on the board. And I'm not saying you always have to put touchdowns on the board. Even if you put in three points here, three points there, you're basically making that game become out of reach. And if you really think about it and you, you dissect, you know, the the turnovers that, you know, that the offense had in the red zone, that's six points off the board. And maybe if they don't have those turnovers, maybe those six points actually make the difference and the Vikings don't go in overtime. We'll never know. I'm not going to live in a world called if, but I'm just saying, like, that's how you play complimentary football. And that's how you're able to beat teams and, by multiple scores in the game was out of reach. But going back to the defense, I just really feel like the defense just started playing soft in the second half and Cincinnati basically got what they wanted and they were able to get back in this game. Now, Kevin O'Connell. <sighs> Where do I start with Kevin O'Connell? Like I posted uh, something on X maybe a few weeks ago to where basically I was saying like, Kevin O'Connell is starting to, to give me Brad Childress vibes. And some people understood what I was talking about. And some basically was like, oh, you're reaching, you're, you're just making, you know, posts to get engagement, blah, blah, blah. But I'll break it down to you once again. It's like this. It's like 
basically when Brad Childress came to the Minnesota Vikings, you know, he was touted as this offensive savant, this offensive guru, this, this quarterback whisperer, because he was under Andy Reid. And we already know Andy Reid is a fucking great coach. I'm not going to even say Andy Reid is a, is, is a great offensive mind. That's just part of the resume. Andy Reid is one of those great coaches, straight up, right? So he, Brad Childress came to this team. And if you look at the teams that Brad Childress had, you had a great eraser with Adrian Peterson. And you had the one year when you had a productive Brad Favre, you know, 09, when you basically go to the NFC title game. Outside of that, this offense wasn't kick-ass. This offense wasn't great. This offense was, wasn't a good offense consistently, you know, outside of the Hall of Famers, right? So let's compare that to Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell comes in here, and he's under Sean McVay. And I feel Sean McVay is in the realm of, you know, your Andy Reid's like, yeah, he's an offensive savant, and he's, you know, does these things with offenses and stuff like that, but he's a great coach. First, he's a great fucking coach, right? So, you know, Kevin O'Connell comes in here. Uh, he can get this done. He's going to unlock Kirk Cousins, and he's going to do this, something like that. I would say the one thing Kevin O'Connell has done good with this team is he has changed the culture, and I feel like guys do play hard for him. But how long do they keep playing hard for him if he keeps making these same mistakes down you know, down the road at the end of games and costing the team games. They're going to start questioning this shit, and then the culture starts to get bad. But let's get back to the comparison. Like, so Kevin O'Connell, you know, comes in here, and he has a great eraser with Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. Now, I know you guys are probably saying, like, what do you mean great eraser? All right, this is what I call great erasers, right? There are certain times in offenses where you have certain players that erase other players bad plays that erase bad play calling that erase just everything and they just go in and make plays because they're fucking hall of fame players they're great players adrian peterson like he probably wasn't the best class blocker you know he wasn't the best catcher but if you gave him the ball he can erase a bad offensive line you get what i'm saying like he can fuck it i'm going to get a 100 yards today justin jefferson he's a great eraser you can throw him a bad ball, and he's going to make that ball look good. You know? Kirk Cousins, shaky offensive line, he's going to do what he does. You get what I'm saying? Let's not talk about Kirk too much. Let's go Kirk. But those are great erasures, in my opinion. We can debate it later. But outside of the plays J.J. makes and, you know, Addison makes, like that's kind of like if Kevin O'Connell is this offensive savant, why the hell does the offense continue to disappear multiple multiple times within a game you know what i'm saying and they wasn't doing they, it's not just like they started doing it this year they had the same problem last year and i seem like a lot of people are just now noticing that because of the play calling of saturday's games but a lot of people in our circle have been calling kevin o'connell out for this shit since last year now let's break down what actually happened now the defense let the, let the Bengals back in. And this is how I feel about overtime. Whatever the fuck happened in regulation is done. It's, it's done. You're in overtime right now. You can't say if. You can't say that. Whatever happened, you're in overtime now. You actually have a chance to win. And the way these overtime rules are set, 
it really makes it fair for both teams to actually have a chance to win the game. The defense start back you being aggressive. They got the ball back with, you know, the, I think the, the Bengals couldn't get nothing, and the, and the Vikings defense got the ball back to the offense. Now, they're going down the field. All they need is the field goal at this point because the Bengals already had that possession. So a field goal can win this game, right? And we're sitting here watching the game, and it's like, oh, quarterback sneak because it's 30 inches or whatever. All right, whatever. They didn't get it. Okay. Then they called up same damn play again. Like, at, 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 at that point, I'm thinking, like, why you just didn't kick the field goal? Yeah, it could have been out of Greg Joseph's range or whatever, but just kick the field goal and see what happens. You know, if it kicks a whatever 55-yard field goal or whatever, we win the game. And then that's just the reason why I kind of took the time out to think about it because it's like now we're seeing a video of um, Brian Flores telling Kevin O'Connell to call the timeout. And I'm thinking maybe something else happened with that play that's not being talked about. Maybe they called the quarterback sneak on third on third down, not getting it, and they actually went into the same formation on fourth down and basically just sat there and waited and see if the defense was going to flinch and get an offsides penalty. Now, I understand that reasoning, but when you get within five seconds and the defense is staying put and they're not flinching, call a fucking timeout. If that's the case, I just feel like in the next coming days, we are probably going to see and figure out more of what really went down on that last play. But I blame Kevin O'Connell. And that's the title of this, of this video. Who is to blame outside of the defense allowing the Bengals offense and the Bengals just to get back in the game? They did their job in overtime. Um, the offense got stagnant. It did, but I think it goes to play calling. I think Kevin O'Connell, you got to hold this loss. Like, you got to answer about, you know, why did you call the same play back to back? You know, and you basically went backwards the second time. Like, you cost them the game, and the, the Bengals basically went down the field on his defense and whatever. You can sit there and say, like, Oh, the defense let them down because they shouldn't have got the ball back again. Okay. You don't think the morale with the defense feels a certain type of way that, okay, we started overtime on defense and we got the offense the ball back and you basically squandered the game away by not kicking the field goal? You think the defense is going to actually go out there and be like, yeah, we go, we don't get the ball back again. Like, shit, they hard drops like all of us. Because they thought they had that game. So Kevin O'Connell, 90% of this game is on you. Straight up. And you got to fix it because even though you probably, you know, changed the culture in the locker room, making dumbass decisions like that down the line is going to fuck up your locker room. Especially on the defense side of the ball when they're doing their job and giving your offense multiple opportunities and your offense can't do shit. And we understand that you're on your fourth quarterback. We understand that shit. But all you have to do was run Ty Chandler, run CJ Ham, whoever. I don't even want to get into the situation of, oh, if the tush push didn't work because we don't have a person there, that shit shouldn't even be in your fucking playbook. I'm, I'm going there with it. Like, 
that shit shouldn't even be in your playbook at all. Straight up. We don't have the personnel to get that shit done. And like I said before, Ty Challenge was having his way with this team. He had over 100 yards. You mean to tell me that when you we get to the end of the game in overtime, you can't even hand the ball off to the running back to actually keep the game going? Now, I do understand you want to get in better field goal range for Greg Joseph, but you ran the same fucking play twice and you went backwards on the last, on the second time you ran it. Like, that's bullshit, bro. Like, you cost you cost this team the game, and I blame you for that shit straight up. Now, looking forward. Looking forward, this playoff race is real tight. It's real tight. We just saw what the Detroit Lions did to the uh, Denver Broncos. They beat them outright. No questions about it. So it seems like they, they got their mojo back. So the next three games is really going to determine how this team can respond through adversity. They got the Lions, they got the Packers, and the Lions to close the season. And I'm not the type of person to where I'm going to be sitting there, you know, scoreboard watching about which team is losing here, which team is, is winning there. Like, I just feel like this, like, at the end of the day, the Vikings got to get in there and take care of business straight up. They can't be scoreboard watching. They got to go, you know, beat the Detroit Lions outright, get that win, beat the Packers. They got to win out. They got to win out. Let's see what this team is made of, for real. Let's see what Kevin O'Connell is made of. Let's see, you know, what Brian Flores is made of, straight up, because it feels like the honeymoon is over, baby. This is this is the nitty-gritty right now. And I'm excited because I feel like the next three games is going to be must-see football, but we're going to see how – the Minnesota Vikings respond through adversity in these next three games. We're going to see how Kevin O'Connell responds to actually making bonehead fucking moves and losing the game. All right. But I'm out. I just want to say to everybody who follow the channel, you know, thank you. Like, and subscribe. If you follow me on X, you follow me on, on Facebook, you follow me on Instagram. I really appreciate it. I'm probably going to be dropping way more videos this week. I'm really trying to get consistent and making my videos. I'll be leaving a lot of content, you know, just sitting there because I just be so busy at work and family and kids and things like that. But I just want to take a time out to say thank you. Skull, baby. Thanks for tuning into the Skull State of Mind podcast. Take a beat to give us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Join us next time and don't forget to follow Skull State of Mind on all social media platforms to keep up with all the news and updates. Thanks again for listening. And as always, Skull Vikings.